from the heavenlies down to where the rubber meets the road. That's the transition that we made as we concluded our study in Ephesians, and now we set out for Proverbs. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz. And before we jump into our regular study, here's a special introduction by Dr. McGee. Well, we have a new sign on the Bible bus today. For a long time, it was Ephesians that we were going through. And now we actually begin today our study in the book of Proverbs. We put out an introduction last time. We've come down out of the heavenlies, and now we get down where the rubber meets the road, or where the shoe leather goes down the sidewalk. And as we come down, we find out this is a very wonderful book, a book that you can take with you, that which has been time-tested and inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. And it will produce man. This book has been used of God to produce great man. I think of one, David Livingston. He's considered one of the great Englishmen in one sense. He was one of those that opened up Africa for the gospel. Stanley, you remember, Henry M. Stanley, he was a newspaper man, and he became a Christian with his contact with David Livingston. And he wrote this concerning David Livingston after he'd been with him several months. He says, here is a man who is manifestly sustained as well as guided by influences from heaven. The Holy Spirit dwells in him. God speaks through him. The heroism, the nobility, the pure and stainless enthusiasm at the root of his life came beyond question from Christ. There must therefore be a Christ, and it's worthwhile to have such a helper and redeemer as this Christ undoubtedly is, as he reveals himself to this wonderful disciple. That's the end of the quotation. Here is a man, he said, manifestly sustained and guided by heavenly influences. He knew what it was to be in the heavenly, but he also knew what it was to walk through the jungles of Africa in a very difficult day. man who stood for God. It's this type of individual that we're missing today in the Christian community. We need strong men. We need men who stand for something. And I tell you, it is a dark day that we're in today. Someone has put it like this. Since we're going to begin Proverbs, I might start you off with one today. A Christian is a mind through which Christ thinks, a heart through which Christ loves, a voice through which Christ speaks, a hand through which Christ helps. Then maybe we should have this as we begin the book. One smile can glorify a day. One word new hope impart. The least disciple need not say there are no arms to give away if love be in the heart. Quite remarkable, is it not? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're off to Proverbs 1 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. 
Now, friends, we come to the book of Proverbs, and I'm sure some of you, as you've begun reading in the book of Proverbs, you already are saying, my, I tell you, this is not a thrilling story that we're reading. Well, friends, it really is. I hope that we can get in step with the Spirit of God in this book, because it has a real message for each one of us. I think it's particularly slanted to young men today, and I think that would include young women also, because it has a message for youth in a very special way, because this is a day, as every day has been, when youth is looking for answers to the questions of life. Now, I want you to notice as we get into this book here how it opens, because it's not just a haphazard sort of thing, and it has a definite message as we go through. And I know that a great many people feel like you can just reach in here and take out a proverb, and I think it's all right to do that. But the point is, when we take it out and look at it, let's put it back where it belongs, because the diamonds all belong in a setting here, and the setting is the book of Proverbs. You're inclined to read the book of Proverbs very much like the man said that he read the dictionary. He said, you know, I enjoy reading the dictionary, but he says the stories certainly are short. Well, maybe you feel that way about Proverbs, but I don't think it's quite that kind of a book. Now we have here, the way it opens, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. That really identifies the writer here at the beginning. And as we said before, that these first Proverbs he wrote, others he collected and put together, and then we find that others probably put together some more of Solomon's Proverbs. We are told he wrote more than we have here. Now, let me look at this first section here, because what you have is wisdom and folly contrasted in the first nine chapters. And we see the boy here in chapter 1 in the home. He's starting out in life. And as he starts out in life, why, this is the advice. This is the instruction God gives to him. Now, will you notice what he says? The purpose is to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. Now, let's not pass over that hurriedly, because in this section here, there are ten words that are used that seem to be synonymous. And there, of course, is a relation, but they're not the same words. I'd like to take each one of these words and put it under the microscope and look at it. And we'll find out that they're just not merely synonyms, and they are not given to us in order to pile up a very impressive beginning. Every word of God is pure, we're told. So let's look at some of these. The first one, to know wisdom. Now, what does he mean by wisdom? Well, as we've said time and time again, wisdom in Scripture, and this particular word here, it means the ability to use knowledge aright. And it occurs in this book alone 37 times. 
And it means to use knowledge aright. That's wisdom. A great many people, a great many brilliant folk today, they have the knowledge, but they don't seem to have wisdom. They don't seem to be able to use it aright. Now, let me add something else here. Wisdom in the Old Testament for the believer today means Jesus Christ. We are told in 1 Corinthians, the very first chapter, in verse 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And wisdom is number one. Christ is the wisdom for the believer today. And we need to know wisdom. And to know wisdom is to know Jesus Christ. Paul said that was the ambition, that I might know him. That was the ambition of the life of Paul the apostle. Oh, that that might be the thing that would grip your soul and my soul today. Oh, how we need it. I need it. You need it, I'm sure. The wisdom here, therefore, is Christ, and it is the ability to use knowledge aright. You know, to know Christ is not to play the fool. It's to be a wise man. And I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It says, wise men are still coming to him. <laughs> well, you may not be smart when you come to him, but when you know him, you have wisdom. Now, the second word here is instruction. To know wisdom and instruction. Now, what is the word instruction? Well, it occurs here 26 times in Proverbs. And the very interesting thing is that sometimes the same Hebrew word is translated by the word chasten. And that's interesting. Let me just take one example of this. Over in the 24th verse of the 13th chapter, will you notice this? He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Now, to chasten here actually means to give instruction. And therefore, this word instruction means you teach by discipline. Oh, that is something that's been lost sight of today. Now, if you want to know how out of kelter and out of step with the Word of God our contemporary society is today, we are told that the reason we put men in prison, it is to discipline them and to get them straightened out. May I say to you, that never was the purpose in the Word of God for dealing with criminals. The purpose is punishment, judgment. No other reason was ever given. Now, when you're dealing with a son, why you are to discipline him, because that's part of his instruction. You're to chasten him. And what does that mean? You are to teach him by disciplining him and not to punish him. And today we say the child should be punished. No, that's not the purpose. Why do you turn a little willy across your knee and paddle him? And I hope you do. Why do you paddle him? To punish him? No, to teach him by discipline. You see, we've got the thing all mixed up today. And I think we need to get back to God's purpose, you see. God says that 
instruction is to teach by discipline. And by the way, I guess now that I'm retired, I'm an authority on about everything. So I'm an authority now on the school system. And may I say this? I believe that today they are teaching and they're talking about the new methods of teaching. How about the old method of teaching by discipline? That's absolutely out today in school. And I think the Board of Education should be applied to the seat of knowledge. I think that that's desperately needed. It's needed in the home today. man was asked, a father said, do you strike your children? Well, he says, only in self-defense. And it's come now that you bring up your parents the way that they should be brought up. And you discipline your parents today. I heard recently of a young man that, went in and gave his mother and father a lecture on how they should be. And you know that he was then under a court order, was under arrest and out on bail, and yet he's giving them a lesson. Well, I think maybe the parents needed a lesson, but he wasn't the one to give the lesson, of course. You see, to teach by discipline, that's instruction. And our heavenly Father, our God, you know, he's good at teaching that way. I think most I've learned was when he took me to the woodshed, and those lessons were very impressive. Now, we have another one here, to perceive the words of understanding. Now, understanding, well, it means intelligence. And we have another word today, discernment. We need to recognize that God expects us to use our intelligence. He expects us to use a great deal of sanctified common sense. These are wonderful words, you see. Now we come down to another word here. To receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. Now, we hear the instruction of wisdom. We've had that word. Justice is righteousness. And that means right behavior. I remember way back when I was in school, I had a sociology professor that always with a smirk would like to say, well, what is right? Well, I'll tell you what's right. I didn't know it then. But what God says is right. It's God that separates the light from the darkness. And God says it's good to do a little separating of light and darkness. I can't make the sun come up and I can't make it go down. Only God is running the universe. He makes light. He makes darkness. God is the one who makes right, and God makes the wrong. You say, well, is it right to do this? It's right if God says so. Somebody says, is this wrong? It's wrong if God says so. Right and wrong are not relative terms, except in the minds of the contemporary, I would say, the contemporary average man believes that right and wrong is average. And that's one of the reasons that there's so much dishonesty today, gross immorality, because they say right and wrong are relative terms. God says they're not. They're just like light and darkness. Oh, these are wonderful words, justice and judgment. Now, that word judgment means that you and I make a judgment. I think it's the same as making a decision. In life today, the believer will come to a crossroads. And as we've said in teaching Philippians, however, in this course, we haven't yet come to Philippians, 
But in that epistle, Paul says you're to try the things that differ. Well, you get to a crossroad sometime. And which way are you to go? Should you go this way or that way? When I came to California, I had a call to the east. I had a call here to the west coast. And I honestly didn't know which way to go. And very frankly, I had to go to the Lord, and I had to test out a few things. And when I made a test, I found out it was to come to California. And I thank God for it. May I say to you, we need to make decisions. You have to make decisions today as a child of God. Now we come to another word here, an equity. Now that refers to principles rather than to conduct. There are certain principles, and I don't think that the child of God's put under rules. I think we're under certain great principles today. And these are principles that should guide us. For instance, when we were studying Romans, you will recall I said there are three great principles that we ought to have enthusiasm for what we do. I tell you, there's too much Christian conduct today that's done like walking on eggshells. I don't know whether I should do this or not. Well, my friend, I'll tell you this, and I don't care what it is. This is a principle. If you can't enter into it enthusiastically, you ought not to do it. A child of God ought to live it up, friends. Whatever we do, we ought to do with enthusiasm. We ought to be fully persuaded, Paul says. And then we're also told that we ought not to, after we've done it, have a compunction of conscience. Happy is the man that his conscience doesn't condemn him in the things which he allows, you see. That is something today that a great many folk, my, they say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Well, you don't have to ask me. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he allows. That's a principle. That's not a rule. It's a principle. You put that down on anything. And if you can look back on what you did yesterday and say, hallelujah, it was a great day for me. I don't know what you did, but it was all right. (laughs) That's the principle, you see. And then there's another great principle. We ought to bear each other's infirmities, not please ourselves. And therefore, we ought to recognize, is this thing I'm doing, does it offend my neighbor? Does it offend my brother? These are great principles of conduct, friends, that should guide the believer. I spent a lot of time here. Now notice the next one. We're told here to give subtlety to the simple. Now, what does he mean here? Well, I hear this used a great deal today on television. We ought to be prudent, and that's the word. That actually means that we ought to be wise in what we do. A child of God ought not to act very foolish. I know a young couple that went to the mission field. They just shut their eyes, as it were, and went to the mission field. I personally urged them not to go. Well, they came back casually, and they actually made shipwreck of their lives by going to the mission field. Why? They were not prudent. You should be wise in what you do. You remember the Lord Jesus says, wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Now, will you notice To the young man, knowledge and discretion. Now, knowledge is information that's good for him. I remember in the science lab in the college I went to, there was in the bulletin board this motto. Now, I've forgotten all the formulas I ever learned in chemistry, but I've never forgotten this. 
Next to knowing is knowing where to find out. That's the reason it's nice to have the Bible handy and learn to read it, because you don't know, you sure can know where to find out. The last word that's used here is discretion. Now, what does he mean by discretion? That means thoughtfulness. And this is for the young man, and generally, young people are thoughtless. I'm very frank to say I was a very thoughtless young man. Some think I'm still that way, but I forget so many things. But we should be thoughtful. How wonderful it is to find a thoughtful Christian. I have several very wonderful Christian friends here in Southern California. I'm getting ready right now to take a trip. I'm going back east. And it's been a little cool back there, apparently. And one of these friends came by and brought me a lovely sweater. May I say to you, thoughtful. There's so many wonderful Christians, thoughtful. And that's a characteristic we ought to have. This book of Proverbs is going to help us with all these words, to have them incorporated into our lives. Now, will you notice, he moves on from that. He says, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. Now, a wise man will hear. That's been the characteristic of all great men, has been that they never reached the place where they felt like they had learned everything. I listened the other night to a young man on television. He's skyrocketed to fame in rock music. And the thing that characterized him was his arrogance. He knows it all. I don't think you could tell that young man anything. But a wise man will hear. And he'll increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain to wise counsels. Now, that's the challenge as you enter this book. The thing that Solomon's going to say here is, if you're smart, you listen to what's being said in this book. Now, it's not to listen to me, friends, but it's to listen to what the Spirit of God has to say in the book of Proverbs. And you know, he has a lot of choice things to say in this book. They are great truths expressed in short sentence. And we're going to be looking at them now in the next few times. So until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Our free notes and outlines are available to download at ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE for more information. Now here's Dr. McGee with some final thoughts. There is another approach to the book of Proverbs, which probably we should look at for just a moment that might be helpful to us in the study that we are going to have in this very unusual and marvelous book. The book of Proverbs makes a fine distinction between knowledge and wisdom. You'll find that many Proverbs are Proverbs that are knowledge, gives information to us. And for the Christian, knowledge is the mind of Christ. Now, you remember Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, that's not by imitation, but by impartation. But what is the mind of Christ? Well, here it is in the book of Proverbs. You will see the things that are put down here. These are the things that are the mind of Christ. And they relate to all parts of our Christian living. 
Now, wisdom is the use of the knowledge. It's knowledge translated into action. It is Christian living. Christian living is wisdom. That is the whole point. Now, you'll find these Proverbs touch every area of our lives today. It touches our social life, touches our home life, touches our business life. Tell something about having an honest weight, you know. And when you translate that into action and begin to live like that, that's wisdom, by the way. It may keep you out of jail. And therefore, there's the business part, and it's all here. And then also school. So in every area, in every nook and cranny of our living, why you will find that there's proverbs. They reveal the mind of Christ. Now, when they're translated into our Christian living, having known what they are, now we translate them into our Christian living by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's wisdom. I trust that these approaches will be helpful to you in understanding this book. Jesus came Today's study is always available, free to stream or download, thanks to the generous and faithful investments from your fellow Bible bus travelers. Just go to ttb.org or download our app to listen again anytime. As always, we'd love to know what's God teaching you.